Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Man, it's not even 9 o'clock today, and I got the Iowa corn folk all over me. I got people all over me, but I don't really care because I think the world we live in needs me. I do. I think it needs me. I think it needs me today, tomorrow, and the next day, and we are not stopping because, well, frankly, we just signed a new contract, three-year deal, three-year extension. I guess I'm supposed to wait to my agent. I got the only agent in America that doesn't actually celebrate my successes. They celebrate others, but not mine, and I'm not really happy about that. But hey, look, signed a new three-year deal. Deal wasn't up until October or September, I guess, and uh, signed it yesterday. Six months in advance, new three-year deal, so you got to put up with me and the idiots at the Indy Star and all across Indiana. Dockage, you should have stayed. No, no, no. We signed a three-year deal, so you're stuck with me, and I'm very excited to be here doing it. All right, let's get right into it. The corn folk are mad today. I'll get into why the corn folk are mad. Everybody mad, calling me old man, calling me everything else, but I don't care. Yesterday, our idiot, KJP decided to tell us that, well, let's listen to KJP about the Biden administration and their, their thoughts on kids, minors, transgendering or transitioning to transgender. Let's see. Let's hear. Today, Indiana just uh, banned puberty blockers, hormone therapies, and gender transition surgeries for minors. I'm wondering what the president's reaction is to the Indiana governor signing that bill into law. And does the president have a position on at what age these kinds of therapies and surgeries are appropriate? That's something for uh, a child and and their parents to decide. It's not something we believe uh, should be decided by uh, by legislators. Yeah, well, why? I mean, you can't smoke until you're 18. You can't drive a car till you're 16 a month and a day, at least here in Indiana. You can't drink till you're 21. Why? Is it okay if the kid consents to uh, sexual abuse between a parent and a child? Is it okay physical abuse between a parent and a child? I mean, what, what defines what's okay? Just parent-child. Like, I understand which school you send them, parent-child, I, uh, we get all that, uh, which kindergarten you send them, which daycare you send them, what you feed them for the most part, for the most part, but even what you feed kids can be subject to federal law. I mean, you can't feed them strychnine, for crying out loud, you can't poison them. I mean, so why is this, why is this such a touchy subject where you can't, I don't know, do what the great state of Indiana did, the great governor of Indiana did, Eric Holcomb, and say, no, 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 no. We are going to put guidelines in on this. Now, people say to me, well, what's wrong with people living their own lives? Just let people live their own lives. Well, fine, then let a 13-year-old live their best life and drive a car. Well, that's dangerous. Maybe. Let a 13-year-old drink. Not dangerous. 
I mean, if that's what we're doing, if you're just going to live your best life, if everybody's living their best life, which is actually not in the Bible, but I digress. Traders Point Christian Church, Aaron Brockett taught me that. Living your best life is not what you're really supposed to do. It's a man-made deal made up by people that don't, well, you know, I don't want to follow the constraints of society. I'm living my best life. No. Hey, look, no problem. But we have to protect people from themselves is what I always hear, is it not? I always hear that. We ought to protect you from yourself. Why can't a kid drive a car at 15 a month in a day? Why is it 16? Why can't you drink beer? Hell, you can go to war at 18. Why can't you go and, oh, I don't know, have a beer in a bar at 18? You know, there are certain social constraints, and I think it's absolutely great and certainly not an attack like it's being portrayed where you say, okay, minors, You can't transition unless you have severe dysphoria. I've been talking about this for three days. And parental consent. But this lady, because their narrative is their narrative, their narrative because she is bisexual and their whole administration is afraid to be called any kind of ist, uh, they cater. So now all of a sudden, they didn't say that before, but now they're saying it's between a parent and a child. Well, you know what we're moving towards, don't you? And we've seen this. Uh, I, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but we are actually, in certain cases, moving toward pedophilia. Well, if the child says it's okay, I've seen people say it's idiotic, it's asinine, it's sick, and don't let sickness prevail. And don't tell me about an attack, don't tell me how dangerous this is, because we all know of suicides on both sides of this. Yes, we know of suicides from children that can't transition, they don't feel like they are who they are. And of course we understand suicides from people that transition too early, so don't give me that. I will tell you this, what's wrong with waiting a little bit? We all feel uncomfortable in our bodies, we all feel weird at different times. We all feel like we did not fit in. My song, one of my favorite songs is Lonely Boy. I love it because that's what I was. I didn't fit in. I still don't fit in. I did a Zoom yesterday with a company and I'm always terrible on Zoom. I'm awful because I don't know. I don't fit in. Never have, never will. That's how I became a basketball player because I had a slab of concrete in my driveway. I would turn the music on and get lost in myself. I totally understand not fitting in. But then, as I got older, I understood a little bit more about it. So the idea that, you know what, at six, I can make a decision to go ahead and, oh, I don't know, change the sex when I don't even make a bedtime for myself. Oh, I don't know, at eight, when I'm still on, uh, oh, I don't know, mommy and daddy's schedule, when I still think boogers are cool. When I still think trucks are little things that you roll around on the ground, when I'm still trying to set up my Hot Wheels, I want to change the sex of myself? Get out of here with that crap. Get out of here with that crap. Good for the governor of Indiana. Bad for all the people, the ACLU in Indiana. We're under attack. You're not under attack. You're getting guidelines and you're getting common sense. And our federal government is too bought and sold to understand it. What a world we live in where the press secretary of the United States can come up and say, well, you know what, that's between a child. Mutilation is between a child and a parent. With no guidelines, when we guideline everything else, how old do you got to be to buy a gun? How old do you got to be to set your own bedtime? Hell, I know guys in college, J.J. Reddick literally had to have this. Shashevsky told me this. When J.J. Reddick was in college, now he's seen as this brilliant guy. 
His daughter, Shashevskys, who were like psychologists or whatever, set every minute of his day, literally, wake up, 7.02, brush your teeth, 7.04, blah, 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 blah. This is when this dude was in college. There's a star player in the NCAA who slept with his parents until he went to college. Star player. Don't even try it with me. That all of a sudden an eight-year-old can decide, hey, look, I'm a chick. Hey, look, I'm a dude. Stop it. Just stop it. Good for Governor Holcomb. Bad for our federal government. If you think I'm just some old man yelling at the wind, then God bless you. I don't care, but I'm going to be here another three freaking years at minimum. So I don't give a rat's. We do common sense here. We don't do hysteria here. We don't do stupid here. We don't do, well, you know, I'm scared that the trans community is going to come at me. Oh, my God, can you believe the trans community is going to come at me? Oh, God. Horrible. Shut up. Just shut the living hell up with this crap. You know, I got people all over me. Thank God for Jennifer. Thank God for Jennifer. Everybody thinks these blessed women. You know what I mean? My ass. Dylan Mulvaney is not a woman. All these dudes with penises are not women. Menstruate 12 times a year, then come back and talk to me that you're a woman. That's from my wife. We got one dude that faked being pregnant. I'll get into that idiot in a minute. This is all a big scam. This is all a big joke. It is. Look, I'm not saying there aren't some people that get to a certain point, Caitlyn Jenner, and say, look, I'm going to live as a woman. I'm going to change my sex. I get that. That's fine. Wonderful. I don't think anybody's ever heard me criticize Caitlyn Jenner, except when she won Woman of the Year, which is idiotic, but ESPN, that's what they do. So now you've got this Dylan Mulvaney. She's Nike's newest ambassador. Dylan Mulvaney is being celebrated for acting like a woman, playing dress up like a woman, which in of itself is fine if that's what we're saying here. We're celebrating somebody acting like a woman, somebody that has, I guess, let's just do this route, courage enough to act like a woman. All right? Let's say that. But don't tell me we're, three, we're celebrating 365 days of this penis-wearing, penis-having fraud being an actual woman because she dresses up or it dresses up in a tank top and kicks around like, an, like a carnival clown. So I'm not buying Nike. I'm not buying Anheuser-Busch. I'm just simply not. And I know there are others like Tampex, but look, I got no recourse here. I'm not doing this because somebody offended me. The corn people say, did a beer can offend you, Dan? No, a beer can didn't offend me, you idiots. No, you idiots, it didn't offend me. What offends me is this, denigrating women, denigrating women. Uh, you shouldn't be such a bigoted, closed-minded jerk. Well, look, Cyclone Hulk, if you want to denigrate women, then you denigrate women. I'm just telling you, you do you. I would at least have more respect if you had an actual stance, but we all know you do whatever Daddy Clay Travis tells him to do. Okay, that's the go-to. There are two go-tos when criticizing me. You know what I mean? There are two go-tos. Well, it's a Dockage Burner account when you, when you say, agree with me. And then, well, you know, uh, you do whatever daddy claims. I'm pretty sure that I was brought up by a great father that mother that taught me how to speak for myself. But you're an old man shouting at a rainbow beer can. 
you really should be embarrassed. No, 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 no. I'm shouting at women being disrespected. And if the corn folk of the cult that is the state of Iowa, the most ridiculous state, if you really know, except for Caitlin Clark, I love Caitlin Clark. But other than this, look at this idiot. She's wearing a sports bra, but she doesn't have boobs. And she's not a sheep. It's a man wearing a sports bra. And that's what Nike's celebrating because Nike doesn't respect women. They don't. I'm sorry. Need leggings. Hi, I got my leggings. Good for you. Nike doesn't respect women. Anheuser-Busch does not respect women. Now, I understand there are hardworking people at Anheuser-Busch that don't deserve to be boycotted, but tough. You're part of a company. Then boycott your own company. Then speak up at your own company. Same thing with Nike. Nike always been good to me. I've taken Nike's money. Ain't no doubt about it, baby. You damn right I did. When I went to uh, Bowling Green, they paid me $75,000 a year to be a head coach in Division I, less than I was making at Indiana. But Nike came through with about thirty grand a year, and I liked it. I went on trips, too. And then I went, wait a second. Why is Nike always bringing us into these rooms to sell us on how to talk about Nike? I didn't know any of this. I was just coaching basketball. Then I found it out. And I'm like, wait a second here. Now I'm all out. Totally all out. If you're going to denigrate women, I love women. I hang with women. My wife's a woman. My daughter's a woman. My stepdaughter's a woman. I I like hanging with women more than men. Men are stupid. Women are awesome. And if Nike can't figure it out, screw them. Get them out of here. But Dylan Mulvaney, God bless you. You're living the American dream. Born, change, act. Have a penis, say you're a woman. God bless you. Go fight, win. How ridiculous. Can you even imagine 10 years even ago that we would be looking at this thing out here doing all this and having companies like Nike and companies like Anheuser-Busch selling their soul for this? Do you know how many women out there that are great athletes? Do you know how many women out there that would love to be a part of an ad campaign to sell beer? Do you know how many women out there deserve to be respected as women. Do you know how many dudes with penises dressed up as women deserve to be the national spokesman for Anheuser-Busch and, of course, for Nike? None. Zero zip. Not if you respect women. But they don't. They won't. And I won't stop talking about it. You can criticize me all you'd like, corn people. The dumbest of the dumb, the cultist of the cult. You can do whatever you want, corn folk. (laughs) The corn folk are angry. Oh, no! Not the corn folk. <laughs> I got a bunch of corn folk <laughs> that are all upset. Oh, man. Anyway, so there you go. Dan, I'm an ally of the genuine LGBT community, just not the gender ma- Marxist militants. This person makes a mockery of true biological women. And when I see lefty women who bend the knee to this, it sickens me. Uh, Warren Lyle says, Dan, apparently men are better at everything, even modeling sports <laughs> sports bras. Boys rule, girls drool. Oh, man, the world is insane. But we're not going gonna to talk about Donald Trump. Eric Schmidt is a senator from Missouri. And I like Eric Schmidt a lot. I don't know him. Uh, but I, I follow his Twitter feed, and it's great. Whenever a sitting United States senator invokes Costanza... We're all in on it. Because let's be honest, in the world that we all live in, Seinfeld is the Bible. Seinfeld is the video Bible. Let's put it that way. (laughs) 
And Eric Schmidt invokes Seinfeld when talking about Donald Trump. And it's glorious. It really is. Well, not only talking about Donald Trump, but this whole incredible, and it is incredible, Biden administration. We don't have a media that calls out a president that literally just makes up words, doesn't know where he is, and walks around. Senator Eric Schmidt joins us now. Hey, thank you, sir, for joining us. It is an absolute honor to have you. It's great to be with you. And by the way, uh, the lessons learned in Seinfeld are timeless. So the Costanza rule, as you know, is sometimes you just do the opposite of what your initial reaction is. And that's my advice to the Biden administration. Whatever you think you should do, do the opposite. It'll be the right thing. You know, can you imagine like you're the chief of staff and Biden comes in with an idea and you go, you know, Joe, first off, it's (laughs) not a lie if you believe it. (laughs) Second, Joe, we're just going to do the opposite because this is going so bad. Can I just ask you relative to the Biden administration, how did we get here in my lifetime? And I'm, I'm a news freak, uh, Senator. I, I, I say this all the time. I was at 10 years old reading it cover to cover, the Chicago Tribune, the Gary Post Tribune, where I grew up in Gary, Indiana, and the Chicago Sun-Times. I became the mail or the paper boy because I wanted the newspaper delivered when I wanted it. The newspaper in the afternoon was delivered to I'm a freaking news freak. I've seen presidents my entire life be criticized for the littlest slip. How are we at a point where this guy is such a blatant buffoon and the media absolutely will not call him out on it? Because they're all in on the agenda. I agree with you. It's really sad. And by the way, you see now, I think one one thing that Twitter has done is uh, it's allowed people like Dan Rather and and Andrea Mitchell, these people who, I'm 47 years old, uh, which is pretty young in the Senate, doesn't feel feel young many mornings, but um, but when we were kids, we we're told these are the these are the stalwarts of 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 news, right? And we see how biased they really are. We knew it was biased, but this is a level to your point we've never seen before. I mean, it's sort of a state-run media. It's like Baghdad Bob getting out there every day, you know, shielding questions. The media just goes with the talking points and the narrative of the day, and it's really dangerous for the republic. I mean. You know, I, I was in front of that House Weaponization Subcommittee last week talking about when I was Attorney General, we had this lawsuit exposing how big government was colluding with big tech to silence speech. This ought to be something that ought to scare the bejesus out of everybody in this country, regardless of your political affiliation and the people in the news media. But they don't care about it. They don't care about it at all. They want to, you know, continue to drive this narrative uh, that the left pushes. Uh, that's who they are. You look at the political contributions, that's who they are. Um, but it's dangerous for the republic when you don't have a, a media sort of questioning things. And this Biden administration has been a total disaster. I mean, pick the issue. Foreign policy, inflation, uh, all these issues. I mean, they're, it, it's, it's abysmal. The record's terrible, but they're never called out on it. You know, the one thing I, I've said this, and I'm curious if, if you agree or disagree, you know, you can say whatever you'd like <clears throat> about Donald Trump. And I want to get into that here in a minute, along with the St. Louis Cardinals, where I'm a Cub fan and we'll probably come to blows <laughs> over Zoom. But it, <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I, I think the one thing, or Trump did a lot of really good things, in my opinion, as a president. But the one thing with the media is he made it such that, to your point, Sides were clearly drawn in the media, whereas they were always underlying to your point about rather and others. Now it's like way out in the open. And I think Donald Trump was the influence on that. 
Yeah, he broke them. He absolutely broke them. And that and COVID, I think those two factors completely broke these folks and exposed, you know, who they are. And uh, you're right. It's no longer, I mean, look, they'll tell you, they, they don't even think they should present two sides of the story because they're making the determination that that's unworthy of you hearing. The American people don't want that, that filter. They want to be able to hear it and make their own decisions. You know, and COVID was the best and most obvious or the worst, most obvious example of this, which was, you know, there are people saying, hey, look, you know, there, there's this Wuhan lab, right? And it seems like that's a viable theory. No way. That's a you're a conspiracy theorist. You know, there's studies that show that masks really aren't that effective. You know, you got to shut that person down. Or people have questions about should young people be taking the vaccine? You're a, you're a you know, a, a, a conspiracy theorist and, a, you know, a heretic and you should be cast out. If you're a medical doctor, they were trying to take their medical license away. So this goes beyond even just the news media. There is a there's sort of this cult. And by the way, climate alarmism is the next piece to all this, right? Which is create the emergency, scare people, and then you command and control what the outcome should be. And if you question anything, you know, you're a heretic, you're a flat earth or whatever it is. And they just try to dismiss you completely. And I think we need robust dissent in this country. We need people to be able to speak their minds. And you're right. President Trump, I mean, th these folks have a, have a of a bloodlust. It's like a, it's a thirst for blood for this man. And it's, it's totally irrational. And the idea that they're, and I know we're going to get into this, they're, they're defending this political prosecution. The idea that we're jailing political opponents now. Okay. There was a, a minister from El Salvador. I, I retweeted this the other day who was saying, you know, the United States can't talk to us anymore about democratic norms. You're jailing political opponents. I mean, the rest of the world is watching this too. In addition to our Republic, the the, da the dangerous road that this you know goes down, I think, can't be overstated. Well, to your point uh, of the of the the world watching, how weak have we become, in your opinion, internationally? Well, I serve on the Senate Armed Services Committee, and I can tell you, there's some uh, you know closed meetings, and then there's open meetings, and you hear the same thing. Um, the the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. Uh, it was, you know, not only did we leave, lose service, you know, men lives in that we left $80 billion worth of equipment behind, but it showed incredible weakness from Joe Biden. The, his, his, his lecturing us about the sovereignty of other countries' borders, but does nothing to secure our own border exudes weakness. Um, look, and China's the real deal here. Um, this is, this is an existential threat for the United States of America. They are not messing around. They have built islands in the South China Sea, and they're completely weaponized. They have anti-ship, anti-aircraft weaponry and systems on those islands now. They have hypersonic missiles. Um, they're, they're, I'll give it, this is the best way to explain it. We have four naval shipyards in the United States to build ships. They have three times that, and each one of them has the capacity of all four of ours combined. They are on the march here and we had better turn our attention to that. And so the world sees this, these are, you know, there's a dangerous world and the United States of America needs to be strong. And when you have a president who can't articulate what that is and continues to screw up every situation, getting back to the Costanza rule here, every situation exudes weakness, our allies see it. Uh, and of course the American people see it. And I think when you, when you have a porous Southern border and you have 300 people dying a day from fentanyl, you know, overdoses, fentanyl coming from China, the cartels are, are making money hand over fist on this, and he refuses to do anything about it, uh, I guess because of political reasons. 
uh, th that is a complete abdication of his responsibilities as president. You know, I've about policy. Policy of this administration is crushing the soul of Border Patrol and the people that are down there on a daily basis. That's what I'm being told. Is that what you hear? And uh, that's what the Border Patrol, they just want to be supported. They don't feel supported. And also another statistic that's mind-boggling, $100 million a week is the economic value of just the human smuggling alone. That's a week, $100 million a week. That's not even including the drug smuggling that's happening. So, I mean, what's happening at the southern border is a crisis. They refuse to acknowledge it. The secretary refuses to acknowledge it. Kamala Harris was supposed to be the whatever the borders are or something. I don't know. But they've 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 ignored this. It's gotten worse. You've had over six million people. That's like, by the way, that's like the state of Missouri. Okay. In two years, you've had the equivalent of the state of Missouri come across that border illegally. You just can't be a country that believes in the rule of law and allow that to happen. Hey, I want to get into President Trump and the indictment and now the charges. He pled not guilty. When this first came down, what was your initial thought? I mean, this is obviously a political prosecution. It's a, it's a, it's a prosecution in search of a crime. And, uh, you know, the previous DA passed on this. The Justice Department passed on this. The uh, FEC, and by the way, the Justice Department is completely politicized now, too, at the highest levels. But, you know, the... Uh, um, the FEC passed on this. And this guy, who's a Soros-funded prosecutor, ran on going after President Trump. And in a country that, uh, you know, one of the reasons we rebelled against the King of England, in addition to the taxation without representation and people didn't believe that they were being heard, was they were, you know, were jailing political opponents. This is the way of the world, by the way, in a lot of places. It's just never been the way of the world in the United States of America. And I hope people really appreciate, um, and, and you know, as, as a former attorney general, you're sort of the chief prosecutor. You have to be really clear-eyed and objective about those decisions. The minute that politics becomes the override, becomes any part of your decide decision to criminally charge people, that's wrong. And that's exactly what's happening here. They're so obsessed with President Trump that they're willing to go down this day, cross a line that's never been crossed before for ridiculous charges that they're trying to bootstrap into a felony. I mean, it's it's nuts. And um, I hope the American people see that. I, I, I got to tell you, I, I think this is, uh, I can't overstate this. This is really dangerous road to go down because this is not how our criminal justice system should be weaponized. And Ellen that's what's Dershowitz, happening. Ellen Dershowitz said that he expects Trump to be uh, convicted by a leaning, left-leaning jury, and then it being overturned on appeal. And I thought to myself, man, that just adds to the awfulness of this, if that's the route we're taking with a rigged jury from a, you know, I don't know whether Alan Dershowitz knows or doesn't know, but he's respected anyway. And that, that seemed to make it even worse. Well, you look at the jury pool, right? And I, I don't, I've seen some statistics that I think less than 10% of that area where you'd be drawing from jurors voted for President Trump. Uh, and you would hope that the politics wouldn't have anything to do with that. But I mean, good Lord. Uh, and the other, here's the thing that's scary the left is they're politicizing everything, everything from schools to uh, the military to 
our legal system. There's nothing out of bounds for these folks. And for conservatives, you know, mo most conservatives, they want to live their lives. They don't want to, they don't want to have to deal with it. They want to, they want to start a business or they want to raise their family or they're just working, you know, the working folks that I represent, they work really hard. They want to go to their kids' games. They want to be a good father, a good wife, a good husband, you know, a, you know, a, a good mother. This is their concern. The left is consumed, consumed with this constant march down this dangerous road of politicizing and weaponizing everything. And um, this is where you end up. This is the logical consequence of all of this, which is indicting a, a president, um, you know, having CRT taught in our schools where school children, when I was AG, we exposed this, kids being forced to do a privilege walk, being, you know, exposed to the, the, uh, uh, the wheel of oppression. Your kids, little kids are divided by oppressor and oppressed. All of this is cultural Marxism meant to divide. And the American idea has always been this idea that we, our rights come from God. Each one of us individually can pursue our dreams. Uh, we, you know, we believe in community. We believe in, you know, all of these things that have made this country great. And the left wants to tear all that down and start anew. And, and it, pretty soon, if you keep going down this road, you look like everywhere else in the world, which is, you know, not where you want to be. It's why America has been exceptional. Well, we believe in American exceptionalism. And so that's really under attack. In that Wall Street Journal poll, I don't know if you talked about this last week, but, you know, the, what, how, the number of Americans who believe it's really important, you know, uh, you know, family, God, patriotism is on decline. And I think that's a direct result of this divisive ideology. We've got to get back to, to sort of these things that unite us. I, I do, too. I, and I, I don't get it. And I, 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 we, we are where we are for a variety of reasons. Let me... Let me go back uh, to, to Trump right here. He, 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 I got to imagine, like, I was a basketball coach for a long time, and I used to read stuff that just simply wasn't true, whether it was about me or when I worked for Bob Knight. And Gerald Ford uh, told Coach Knight years ago, and I was there, and he said, look, if you think the sports page is inaccurate, you should see the front page. How frustrating <laughs> is it for you like when you know, because you're in these meetings, you're in these committees, you know what's real, you know what's dangerous, and then you read something in the Washington Post or the New York Times, wherever, that is just simply void of fact. Yeah, I think we're in a place now where people just understand that it's bogus. Like, Isn't that, that sad? Uh, it, Isn't that sad? Yeah, oh, yeah. No, no, it's terrible. Uh, it's terrible. But this is what happens when you have, you know, sort of the corporate media uh, buy into this and completely, uh, abandon any sense of objectivity. And, um, and, you know, and they try to control language and they can try to, you know, control what you say. And that's out of, you know, out of bounds and you can't say it. it it's all, it's, it's a level of power and control. I, like I said, COVID exposed it. It was this, uh, terrible road to go down where it wasn't about the science. It was about power and control. And, and people are naive if they think this is just about Trump. Um, this is about, making a statement. Uh, and I think, again, it's, it's really dangerous. I mean, look, not only is he just, you know, was the 45th president of the United States, he's the leading candidate for the Republican nomination for president of the United States. And according to many polls would win. And now we've got uh, uh, this, again, this prosecutor with a political agenda seeking out, just trying to find anything to charge that person with. And you have what percentage, what percentage of people cheering that on? Uh, it's, it's nuts. 
it's totally nuts. You're, you're, you're in the game. I'm outside. I'm looking in. Uh, does this, assuming he doesn't go to jail, does this, does this help Donald Trump win the nomination? Absolutely. When do you Absolutely. Does it? I think it supercharges his candidacy. I think, I think in many ways, uh, President Trump is more than just a person. It's a, he's a symbol. People look, people see the, the, the two tiered system here. They see what happened at Silicon Valley Bank. They saw what happened with Hillary Clinton. They saw what happened with Bill Clinton. They, you know, Joe Biden, the Hunter Biden laptop story, his shady deals, the most compromised president in American history. And President Trump's being charged now with 34 felonies for, for something he could not have paid. If he, by the way, if he would have paid for this with, with campaign dollars, that would have been, a, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's insane. And um, I think it does help him. Um, I think that uh, people, they don't want to see America turn into a place where censorship reigns. We uh, we are jailing political opponents. The, the the Democrats, look, in the United States Senate are one vote away. Now, because we have the House, they probably don't do this. But they're one vote away from ending the filibuster, packing the United States Supreme Court, adding states to the union, federalizing our elections, and having open borders and amnesty. And on top of that, this vast censorship enterprise that's been exposed through our lawsuit and the Twitter files. Add on top of that, um, uh, the, you know, again, this po- this political prosecution. This is not your grandfather's Democrat Party. This is not the party of John F. Kennedy. Um, this is this is a radical iteration of that, and uh, and we've got to push back at every turn. Got to. Hey, uh, by the way, uh, I'm going to get to this before we go. As a Cub fan, I'm not going to say I'm jealous of the Cardinals and all their success over the years, <laughs> but I'm jealous of the Cardinals and all their success over the years. <laughs> it's unbelievable, you people. I know. Well, you know, it's the crown jewel of the National League, as you know, the St. Louis <laughs> baseball Cardinals. So, uh, <laughs> but no, I, I tell you what, that's that rivalry. I think that you know the 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 uh, the coasts. You know, we're flyover country here, according to them. It's the best rivalry in baseball, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Either way, it's a Wrigley or a Bush. But I got to tell you, I, I feel good now. They got kind of ambushed this <laughs> the last three games by the Braves, who are stacked. But this this Cardinal team is uh, it's it has a very very deep lineup. The first, the most exciting rookie to come out of camp since Albert Pujols, a guy named Jordan Walker, who's batting seventh or eighth. And you got Lars Newbar, who was an international sensation in the WBC at the top of the lineup. Then you got Contreras came over from the Cubs in the middle of that lineup with Ar- Arenado and Goldschmidt. This is a really good team, so it's going to be an exciting summer in St. Louis, and uh, I'm pumped. Hey, you know what I like, though, as a Cub fan and as a former coach? I, I like that your manager called out the kid, O'Neal, I think his name was, for not running hard around third base. I I kind of like that stuff. I, I you know, uh, part of me likes it as a coach, and then part of me likes it because I see a little crack in the in the Cardinals. I see a little <laughs> crack right there that we can slide through. Yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> it's week one. I wouldn't get your hopes up there, my friend. But uh, but no, I I, I'm a moral. Look, I I, I uh, they you know every team. You know, this is a coach. I coached you know a long time when I was in, in law school. Coached a team that actually had David Freeze on the team, which was a lot of fun. But uh, every wow. every team tries to establish that that culture, and um, I think they're trying to establish this. You know, we're, we're not going to take anything for granted uh, kind of culture. And by the way, they also have a very stiff competition in the outfield for playing time, and so I think that was meant to send a I guess send a message too. 
Yeah, in, in, in football, the big meathead football people call it iron sharpens iron when you have competition. Right. So there you go. You got, you got Hey, thank you for the time, man. That's great stuff. I fully intend, I, I fully believe that because I'm doing a show uh, that is, I call myself a centrist, but, you know, it, it, common sense dictates I go to the conservative side. There's no question about it. I fully anticipate being audited coming up here soon. So. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know, you and me both, brother. You and me both. <laughs> Thank you, Senator. Appreciate you. We'll have to do it again. I really enjoyed it. Take care. Yeah, that was fun. Look, I love talking to smart people, and it's an honor that Senator would come on, you know, our our show here. And he's right. It's just disgusting what we see. Like all we ask for is fairness. You know, that's it. Just be fair in what we're doing here. Somebody gets rid of 330,000 emails that could incriminate her, put her ass in jail. Somebody pays $850,000 to a concubine, Paula Jones. Let's look into that. Let's not dismiss and let Hillary go nuts because her, I don't know if it's her husband. I don't know what the hell he is to her at this point. And where's the Epstein, where's the Epstein names? Some guys say, well, the Epstein names are out. No, they're not. No, they're not. We'll be right back. Stop it, stupid. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Coming up, I'm going to give you my master's bets. I already made them here on DraftKings. I got a bunch of them. Last night, I had a monster night. I got a new betting theory. I I look, I watch, I pay attention. I'm going to get my face going here so that my phone opens up. I pay attention, and then I bet baseball parlays late innings and I hit big last night ladies and gentlemen the Masters is today what a great Thursday this is we're gonna watch we have a bunch of bets in fact I tell you what I'll just give them to you right now because it leads me into something that's really weird that's happening at Augusta National I mean when I say weird I mean really weird all right get yourself a pen and a paper here you go first I took Roy McIlroy at plus 700 to win which means if you bet a buck, you get $7, all right? <clears throat> you bet 100 bucks, you get $700. You bet 10 bucks, you get $70 on Roy McIlroy. I bet, oh, no, that was last night, a, three, a three-team parlay that hit middle of the game, all right? John Rahm to beat Matsuyama. You heard Ryan, De- Ryan uh, Burr say that Matsuyama isn't healthy. That's one of the parlay. Then I picked Harrison English to beat Phil Mickelson. Then I picked Justin Thomas to beat Cam Smith. All of this was based on, so it's a parlay that pays you five to one. So you bet 100, you get 500 out of it. But John Rahm playing great. Matsuyama, not so much. He's been injured. Harrison English is one of the best putters on tour. Phil Mickelson looked old to me. He's been playing on the live tour, and he's 107 years old. I know he plays the course really well, but I digress. you got to have one in there that isn't crazy odds. And then I know Cam Smith hasn't played well. 
I know he's been partying in Australia. And good for him, man. Live your best life. Uh, and Justin Thomas, to me, is a guy that I like. According to Ryan Burr, I took Justin Rose to be in the top 10. I got 4-1 to one odds on that. Bet 100, you win 400. I took John Rahm t- at 2-1 to one to finish in the top 5. And at 2,200, all right, plus 2,200, I took a $50 bet, which is going to pay me $1,150. I took Justin Thomas to win outright. I also took Victor Hovland in a parlay to beat Abraham Answer along with Harrison English to beat Phil Mickelson. We'll keep you posted on the day as it goes, but what a great day, no? I mean, what an absolutely fantastic, fantastic day. I tell you one thing we got to do on the YouTube chat. We got to get our friend Jennifer a jockstrap endorsement. I mean, if Dylan Mulvaney can endorse women's clothing, then hey, don't at me, people. You know where we're going. You know where we're at. We need women endorsing the jockstrap. All right, ladies and gentlemen, did you know this? I don't understand the world that we live in, but I ain't mad about it. We have got robot announcers. That's right. Robot announcers at the Masters. They do sound a little bit electric, not really, but robot announcers. There you go, right there. Robots at the Masters. Now, here's the deal. How many of you, by a show of hands, I can't see you, but you know what I'm talking about, have that um, robot that sweeps everything for you? Who has that? My wife tried to get it, didn't like it. She didn't like it. She she didn't like it. But robots are going to do everything for us. Jim Jim Nance will be replaced by a robot. Okay, not officially, but robots are coming. This is from Outkick. It's across grocery stores, food chains. They're coming for our golf. The Masters app, which is, I agree, one of God's greatest gifts to the app world. It is as good as the fork. Debuting a new AI announcer this week. Thanks to the fellows at IBM Watson who have spent years training a language model to learn the game of golf. The big debut is today. There you go. And I don't think we have the audio on it. I don't think we do, do we? No. No. But anyway, nothing gets the juices flowing like a robot. He took stroke two and the ball traveled 162 yards to a greenside bunker. This is dangerous. I don't want robot umpires. I don't want robot announcers. I want robots uh, to clean my house. I want robots to do my dishes. I want robots to open the door, change the channel, whatever. But I don't need them taking people's jobs. Of course, you know what's happening. They showed the prototype of a robot announcer and what people say, well, it's better than Azinger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So's your mother. So's your mother. Um, All right. Liam Hendricks. You know who Liam Hendricks is? Liam Hendricks is the White Sox closer. Well, he was, until he got cancer. Liam Hendricks rang the bell yesterday. Liam Hendricks announced that he is cancer-free, and he can return soon. That's good news. Jason Benetti, I got to get Benetti on the show next week, but Jason Benetti's the White Sox announcer. Jason Benetti and Steve Stone are the best announcing pair in Major League Baseball. I not only think that, but most think that. Most meaning they have been voted that in terms of who are the best team announcers. Jason Benetti and Steve Stone are it. 
Well, Benetti tells me that there is absolutely nobody, and I mean nobody better than Liam Hendricks as a guy. He's a terrific closer, don't get me wrong, terrific. Absolutely sensational. But as a guy, there is nobody better. And that's good news. He got to ring the bell, which, as you all know, means you now are cancer-free. Good for Liam Hendricks. Good for the White Sox. Good for Liam Hendricks' family. Good for all of us. It's a great success story, and it's something that makes us all feel a lot better when we get the encouraging news that somebody that's out in the public eye beat cancer. It gives everybody else a little bit of hope. And I got to tell you something else. In my time, I've known a number of cancer patients. I've gone to visit a number of cancer patients. They are the strongest people on this earth. They are legitimately, them and our veterans are the strongest, most unassuming people on the face of the earth. All they want to do is kick backside. My friend Aaron, his wife going through it. And as Aaron says, he hopes one day to be as tough as his beautiful wife. You're damn right. Here's to you, all you people that are fighting cancer, all of you people that have beaten cancer. Here's to you, man. Salud, Zivio, Lastrovia. It's only coffee, but hey, tonight we'll do another one. Maybe we'll put it on TikTok or something. Here's to all of you, kicking ass every day, fighting the fight, battling the battle. Love it. Keep going. Keep fighting. Liam Hendricks, great job, man. Honest to God. Uh, things got a little bit nutty, as you know they will in the NFL. Things got a little bit nutty. Baltimore Ravens, pre-draft press conference. Uh, the PR director had to jump in and, well, save the day because too many questions were being asked about, let's be honest, the only thing interesting right now about the Baltimore Ravens is what? Is Lamar Jackson staying? Is Lamar Jackson going? If Lamar Jackson goes, what do you think you can get for him? And if Lamar Jackson goes, who's going to be the quarterback? Basically, the underlying theme was what? Lamar Jackson, for crying out loud. No? I think it is. So the media started asking, I guess, in the minds of the Ravens, too many Lamar Jackson questions. Well, let's take a look. With respect to the, this being about the draft and everything, just with the Lamar stuff that's going on. Hey guys, are you, guys, are you all that. looking at quarterbacks? Out, out, out. This is about the draft. Just move off the. the about the draft. Are you looking at quarterbacks differently because of the situation that's going on? Yeah, you know, I don't think we really are. I mean, we. Well, I got to tell you, uh, Lamar Jackson is the only thing interesting. And you can say, hey, look, look, we're only talking about the draft. We're not going to answer any more questions about Lamar Jackson. Ernie DeCasa, John Harbaugh, you saw him right there. Uh, but the reporter did ask about the draft. The reporter did ask about the team's draft plans and mention apparently you're not allowed to mention Lamar Jackson. I mean, what are we doing? Why are you not allowed to ask? Here's what the question was. With respect to this being about the draft and everything, with the Lamar Jackson stuff going on, well, it's right. Then this guy Glaze, his name is Alex Glaze, after the PR person tried to cut him off, he said, well, when you're looking at quarterbacks, 
This time, the PR person called him out by name. This is about the draft and asked him to just move off of it. If you have a question about the quarterback, ask a question about the quarterbacks in the draft. No, are you looking at quarterbacks differently because of the situation that's going on? That's what the reporter said. That's a legit draft question, 100%. Because when you're dealing with the draft and you have an uncertainty at quarterback like they do in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson, guess what? Are you going to move up in the draft? Are you going to sign, I don't know, a free agent in the draft? We just heard that Bill Belichick was shopping around Mac Jones. Are you going to give up draft choices for Mac Jones? The whole thing is involved in the draft. And if you don't think it is, then don't have a press conference. Now, to DeCosta's credit, he answered the question and said, yeah, we're looking at quarterbacks. That's smart. But there is a ripple effect here for Lamar Jackson, no? If he comes back, Let's say for the sake of argument, he comes back within the next 10 days. Uh, Guess what? The Ravens aren't looking for a quarterback because they got Lamar Jackson, and I I make fun of it all the time, but Brett Huntley was uh, was a pro bowler, played one game, but he's a pro bowler. So, you know, I don't know how it isn't about the draft. It's all about the draft. The world is nuts. Uh, This is a little bit scary and sick. Like, new text revealed that Don Lemon, the ridiculously stupid, angry, asinine host at CNN has long hated women. Now, he's a homosexual, which doesn't necessarily mean he hates women. That doesn't mean anything. People point to that immediately. Well, he's gay, so he dislikes women. That's not true. I know plenty of gay people. They all love women. I mean, that, that, that's a dumb thing to say. Don't generalize like that. Generalize because Don Lemon is who Don Lemon is, an idiot. A clout-grabbing, attention-seeking, ladder-climbing, jealous, foolish, stone-cold idiot. So uh, CNN found out he sent one female co-host threatening text from an unknown number. You will pay. Now, look. It was from 2008, and I have a hard time believing or caring what happened in 2008. Bill Burr did a terrific bit on somebody was challenging him or something that he did nine years ago. And he's like, ah, that's a hell of a run. If you got to go back nine years to find something stupid I did and possibly embarrassing, that's, that's exactly how I feel. I got people all the time, well, you know, this then. Well, you're right, but you know what? It was. Nine, let's use Bill Burr. It was nine years ago. Uh, I've done stupider things in between. <laughs> but Don Lemon apparently hates his co-workers because he's constantly jealous. Constantly being jealous is a bad way to live. I, I have the jealous bone in my body. I do. It's a terrible way to live. I know when I got rid of it. I do. I prayed on it. I prayed on it hard to get rid of it. It's terrible. This dude, all this dude is, is jealous. Calling female co-workers fat to their face. I mean, I know when you're gay, you think you have certain liberties, particularly now. The LGBTQ, whatever it is, community thinks they can say whatever they want to, whomever they want, whenever they want. So I'm glad to see Lemon being called out for this. Although I got to tell you, 2008, CNN, what have you been doing? Are you that scared? I mean, think about the boxes this guy checks. African-American, gay, that's enough. That's tenure. 
You're never getting fired unless you're a complete idiot. And it shows here Don Lemon was a complete idiot. Vanity Fair's doing the article, Vanity Magazine, I guess. And this guy is unfireable. His ratings stink. He's horrible to women. He's horrible to coworkers. He's actually threatened them, but he's unfireable. Why? We all know why. He is black and gay. It's perfect. You cannot fire black and gay. Well, you can, and there would be literally zero repercussions that mattered, but people think that you can't. You can fire anybody that acts the way Don Lemon does. White, straight, old, young, doesn't matter. You threaten coworkers, you should be fired. You know, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this relative to Lemon. I'm going to go through this with you. I'm considered a bad human being uh, by the local media here. I was thinking about this. So I worked for, from 1986 to 2007 as a coach, 2008. Not one time, not once, did any coworker ever, not once, ever, ever have a complaint about me. In fact, I was named teammate of the year numerous times by different things. Now, I want you to think about that just for a second. So what's that? 1986, when I started coaching, to 2008. So that's 14 plus 8. That's 22 years. Then I did 10 years at ESPN. Not a single co-worker ever had a complaint. In fact, we built team at ESPN, a team such that Tariko, Allison Williams, uh, who was our sideline reporter, Mike and I were uh, the game announcers, Bart Fox, who was our producer, and Scott Johnson, we still have a group text called Big Ten Hoops 10 years later, five years later. Not once. So that's another 10. 14 years at Emmis, not one, zero HR complaint, not one. Now, the Indy Star wrote an article me and based it on two guys, both of whom had numerous HR complaints, but not one. So right now we're talking about 32, 46 years. It's 10 years at ESPN, 22 years of coaching, 14 years broadcasting, and another two here. You're talking about 48 years, not one HR complaint, zero, zip, none. Not a coworker saying I said something stupid, not, and nothing, zero. Nada. There's guys on that station right now. Their list is long with HR complaints. Nothing. And Don Lemon somehow keeps his job after threatening coworkers with a burner phone and has bad ratings. It's the damnedest thing in the world to me. It just is. I, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Uh, file this under completely amazing. We got, look at this guy. There you go. Go get him. Don Lemon hates women, but you know what? He keeps his job. This is the president that follows the law. Let's hear from KJP. Is that her name? KJP again. Let's hear from her. Uh, but of course, the president uh, is a president that follows the law <laughs> and uh, does, uh, does, does uh, these types of things in the appropriate fashion, appropriate way. Yeah, okay. Really? I mean, I, Emma Joe Morris will sell you differently, and she's got the hard drive of Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden's laptop will tell you differently. And this woman, whatever her name is, I have no respect for her, so I don't call her by her name. And you can call me whatever names you want, but I judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin or who they're stooping. 
Uh, she couldn't even say it with a straight face because she and everybody else knows that this is the most corrupt, as uh, Senator Eric Schmidt said earlier on the show, the most corrupt president of our lifetime, the most bought and sold president we've ever had, the most compromised president we've ever had. And this clown here, again, I don't care who she's stupid. I don't care if she likes guys, girls, doesn't matter to me. I don't care the color of her skin. I don't respect her because I judge by the content of character, not the color of your skin. And I, I suggest you all do the same. But anyway, she couldn't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> this is the president that follows the law. How do these guys and gals, because Pelosi's in this too, make about $250,000 a year, but have stock portfolios worth hundreds of millions? Can somebody explain that to me? Can somebody please explain that to me? But everybody's following the law. All right. Sure they are. Uh, You know what we say on this show? Pull this. What does it play? Jingle bells. We'll be right back. Rob Dibble next. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know, one of the great things uh, I like about baseball season is I get to talk to Rob Dibble. And before Rob joins us, I got to tell you, I don't understand this. I'll never understand this. I don't think, even though they have a storied history, even though they have a great history, even though they are one of the originals, In baseball, how can you possibly tell the story of the Cincinnati Reds without telling the story of the Nasty Boys, Myers, Charlton, and Dibble? How can you not? So that leads me to this. How is Rob Dibble, Norm Charlton, uh, I forget Myers' first name, how are they not in the Reds Hall of Fame? Will somebody explain this to me? Look, I get it. You know, sometimes Hall of Fames are numbered. Bronson Arroyo is in the Reds Hall of Fame, which is cool. Like, see, here's the problem. I hate that I even said that because you don't want to besmirch somebody for going in the Hall of Fame. It's nobody's fault that Bronson Arroyo gets in the Hall of Fame and Rob Dibble doesn't, except for the people that are voting not to put Rob Dibble in the Hall of Fame. I'm just, I'm just telling you. To me, it is a very, very odd deal. To me, it is one of those deals where you go, hold on, time out. It just don't make no sense. I was watching Della Reese the other day. You know who Della Reese is? My favorite movie, one of my five favorite movies, is a movie called Harlem Nights. It's Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Della Reese. It's awesome. It's fantastic. It's great. But you got to watch it where you can swear. If you don't watch it where they're swearing, then you know what? You got crap, right? Because nobody swears it better than Eddie Murphy, Della Reese, uh, Red Fox. Red Fox is the all-timer. And, of course, Richard Pryor. All right? And Della Reese said, that don't make no sense. So it don't make no damn sense. Let me know when Rob is good to go. Uh, we're going to have Rob in here. 
and we're going to talk about a variety of things. I think Rob is not going to be on my side with this, and I'll tell you what it is. I love baseball's new speed up. I do. I've watched a lot of baseball here over the last two days because I think I told you this earlier, like a dummy, I took my sleep meds in the morning. Did I tell you all this? So the last three days, if you've looked at our show, my eyes get droopy by the end of it. And for some reason, I put in with my crazy meds, my pee meds, my heart meds. I don't know why, but I put in sleep meds. There's the great man right there. He didn't even know what UConn was, and all of a sudden they win a national championship, and he's got his UConn shirt. Is What a bunch of crap that is. <laughs> hey, Dan, all listen. Right. We're, we're the flagship station of UConn at ESPN here in Connecticut. So, and my wife's an alum. So that's why I'm repping this shirt. Oh. I, hey, look, just, you know, try not to break the whole town, kids, in stores. I mean, only ha- leave half of the damn town standing. Is that fair? That's very fair. I, I mean, listen, how many national titles do you have, not just with the women's basketball and the men's, that's 16, um, but you've got field hockey, soccer, you you know, I mean, hockey, baseball, they've been great the last few years. It's like, act like you've been there before. But, you know, I guess it was a quarter of a million in damage. Here's the thing, Dan. These kids should be smart enough to understand it's going to go into your tuition next year. Your tuition's going to go up, and uh, you know your parents are going to be paying for this, or you're going to be taking on a loan to pay for this. So the damage you just inflicted was on your own house. When we won a national championship at Indiana, I was a grad assistant, and it was on Bourbon Street. I, I got handcuffed and thrown in the back of a squad car uh, thank God a federal judge from Indiana was there and got me out, or I was going downtown. And I got to believe this, Dibs. I got to believe a New Orleans jail during the Final Four is not the place to be. Not the place to be. No. No. Definitely don't want to be in jail. No. All right. I, you're going to argue with me, and I'm all for it, but I've watched a lot of baseball here, more than I've watched in a long time. I got to tell you, I love the new clocks. I love the more action in a condensed period of time. Tell me I'm wrong, please. Well, it's not that you're wrong, but are we really getting more action? Because uh, let me give you my numbers that I've run in six days, six games. Uh, You still have half a Major League Baseball hitting under 245 collectively. Um, An average is between 15 and 20 strikeouts a game still. Um, So are you really getting more action? You're still getting a lot of home runs. Even though you've got the the guys, the the infielders are still on the dirt, which I like that. I like that. So there's no shift. So these guys should be hitting it all over the field, spraying it in the gaps, doing all that kind of stuff. My thing is, Dan, I don't mind the clocks. I really don't. It it, it it's something the umpires should have been enforcing before anyway, but they didn't. So, but now, like last night, Shohei Otani. Okay, he's the face of baseball. You're you're gonna give him a violation on the mound. You give him a violation while he's hitting. This is one of the most disciplined baseball players, the greatest ambassador we've seen since Ichiro, uh, coming from another country, and you're embarrassing like he's he's in first grade. That's my problem. Just stop with the, oh, I'm going to go to my wrist. And the, the umpires, stay the hell out of the game. You know, I, I hate when officials, and I'm sure you being a former coach, hate officials that uh, have to do with the outcome of a contest. So nobody's throwing a pitch. 
Nobody's swung the bat, but you're calling balls and strikes. It's garbage. That's trash. The, the, the pitch clock's fine. The bigger bases, all that stuff's great. More stolen bases, that's great action. I have no problem with that. Stop treating the baseball players like they're children. They're, they're multimillionaires. You threw Manny Machado out of a game. I mean, people are paying big money to go see Manny Machado play baseball. They're not going to see your sorry butt behind the plate, Ron Culpa, uh, to, to call balls and strikes. I'm sorry. They just don't. But, you know, if you go to a Yankee game, let's say you're a family of four, you're going to drop a thousand bucks. Do you think if Aaron Judge gets kicked out of a game, you're going to go home and go, I can't wait to go back to that game? No, I mean, it, it's just straight trash. So just stop with the treating the guys like like five-year-olds and treat them like men, and then everything should be fine. Yeah, that's an interesting take. I, I don't have an argument for the treating people and the um, uh, the throwing guys out because I'm, I'm with you. I, I always thought that, you know what, in college basketball, you should go to six fouls, you know, keep the stars in there. But I do think that for me personally, I didn't even know this was happening, Rob. I did not even know this was happening. I forgot about the clock. I did. I swear to God. I, I just sat down the other day uh, to watch the game. I was tired. I, I wasn't feeling good. I just started watching. And all of a sudden, I just liked it more. You know, I, right. And then, then uh, a friend of mine texts me. He goes, hey, are you watching the Cubs? I go, yeah. He goes, man, this clock is great. And I didn't even realize. I just liked it more for me as a fan. I get what you're saying. But I guess I'm looking more of it from a fan. So you're looking more of it from a player. Right. Well, I mean, but I'm looking at it from, listen, it's been in the minor leagues for five years. It's in college baseball. You know, Jim Penders yeah. is a frequent guest on our show. And they they, they have their rules in, in place in college baseball. And, and so, yes, you're supposed to work at a quick pace, but, but to now, you know, bring a guy up for a strike when there wasn't a pitch thrown to end a game when there isn't a pitch thrown, that's, that's not, and, and I agree with Buck Showalter here, and he's a much smarter baseball guy than I, it's not in the spirit of, of these rules. These rules are for the fans and there's, and for the pace of play as a pitching coach and a coach of eight to 18 year olds in AAU baseball, I tell my pitchers, work quickly so your defense is in the game. They, they're on the balls of their feet. You're a basketball coach. You want guys playing defense on the balls of their feet. So it, it's it's all conducive to good, good baseball and good defense. So th this was enforceable rules by the umpires that were lazy, that are making hundreds of thousands of dollars. And now you're, you're giving them a, subject, a subjective thing where they're like, oh, you're not in there in eight seconds? Uh, that's a strike. It's just, that's trash. So just stop with that. Have a compromise that, listen, guys, get used to it. Get in there with 10 seconds so that there's no problems when we get to eight seconds. You know, I mean, so it's, you know, it's it's kind of splitting hairs here, Dan. I mean, I love it. I love the pace because it, you know, when we play AAU games below 16 years old, they're an hour and 45 minutes. The game's over. Could be five innings, could be seven innings. When it's 18-year-old, it's two hours. It's over because you've got games stacking up on these ball, these fields, just like courts and basketball. So for me, I've been doing this for the last five years. And, you know, I love it because it's, it's, it's fast paced. The guys have fun. The kids have other stuff to do. They can stay focused and it's not boring. So I honestly, I love the clocks, but the, if the umpires had done their jobs the last 10 years, we wouldn't be having this conversation. 
Yeah, you know, I forgot about that. I coached a lot of youth baseball in the summer times with my kids growing up, and you're right. I, I'd forgotten that there was time limit on those games, and it, it and you're right. I, I I'd totally forgot. Now basketball, they do it as well, but baseball, I I, I totally forgot. We'd go to a tournament. And, you know, we're like, hey, let's go in and out. Let's go. Let's go. You know, I mean, because they're they're you're right. No, you're absolutely right. I will say this. The one argument I'm going to the Cubs uh, Rangers game on Saturday in Wrigley and I don't have anywhere to go. Right. So I really, you know, people say, well, where are you going? You go to a baseball game to enjoy it. I, I totally get that. I do. I, 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 I get that. I got nowhere to be. Hell, after the game, I'm going to go to the Zebra Lounge downtown on a division right. and rush, and I'm going to have a great night whether I get there at 8 o'clock or whether I get there at 9 o'clock. It don't matter to me. Uh, but I, I do think I, – I, I don't know, man. As a, I just, I'm always the guy that's like, you know, let's go. if we play golf, we're going to play fast. Anybody that plays Absolutely. slow, I ain't playing with. You know what I mean? You, that's well, and kind I think of my the personality. Player, the, players can, the players will adjust to it. I love that Max Scherzer yeah. is already using it to his advantage. You know, we, you know, the, I had problems with the pitch calm stuff. Now I don't, you know why? Cause now the pitchers are calling the balls and strikes are, are calling their pitches. So listen, I played with guys like Jose Rijo, Dan, that would tell the, the hitter here's fastball coming. Here's curveball. Let's see you hit it. I mean, that's the challenging part of baseball that I think people are missing here. You know, I, I had two pitches and hard and harder. You knew it was coming. And so if you weren't prepared for it, well, shame on you. So I, I think these guys are, are really locked in. They know what they're doing. They can hit 105-mile-an-hour fastball. Uh, I love Hunter Green, by the way. He's a great kid. Um, you know, but changing speeds is the game. You know, location is the game. Hitters will always adjust. These, the great hitters, even the number eight, nine hitters in a lineup in the major leagues, are superstars. Superstars. Fearless guys. You know, look at Justin Turner. Takes 95 to the cheek. First game this season with the Red Sox, he gets drilled in the back. That that guy is so tough. I love him. Absolutely love him. So no, nobody talks about that stuff. You got you got to be fearless to play baseball, you know. And so we're 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 getting away from the human element. We're trying to do too many numbers. We're trying to do too many bells and whistles. It's all good, but at the end of the day, it's the it's the baseball players these kids idolize. You know, I'm my, the greatest honor for me, Dan, is being is being in MLB the show. My my honestly, my my players don't even know Dan that I played in the major leagues. They just know I'm in a video game. That's that's the way they look at Coach Rob. So you know, as far as the the way we're doing baseball, I think at the lower levels is amazing. I go to Ripken baseball every year. Um, it's amazing. You you have five games in three days. You're playing against kids from around the country, so now you know how your talent level is. And and it's fun. It's supposed to be fun. And Billy Ripken and Cal, they get it. They'll tell the parents, your kid at 12 is not Mike Trout. Your kid's not Mike Trout. Yet, he could be. So don't put that pressure on your kid. Let them have fun. I mean, we'll break down practice. And I'm sure you did this in basketball when you're having a bad practice with your team. Stop. You're getting nothing from this. And we'll play wiffle ball. We'll, we'll play dodgeball. I mean, we'll we'll do ridiculous stuff for, so the kids have fun. I, I just want kids to learn two things from me, Dan, fun and fundamentals. And other than that, I want the next coach to be like, hey, whoever coached you before did a great job. And that's the way I was always taught by my dad. Leave, leave something better than when you found it. I want to get to something that you said uh, because yesterday – my. 
My high school baseball coach is the all-time winningest coach in the state of Indiana. Has eight state championships. He's ridiculous. Um, he's on a group text with me, and we were on his first team, and three or four different guys. And I'm watching baseball last night, Dibs, to your point. I forget what game I was watching. I was watching, I think it was the Oreos, and maybe it was the Rangers. I just happened to turn it on. And some dude is throwing a 98-mile-an-hour sinker. And I'm yep. thinking to myself, how in the Sam hell, how good do you have to be as a hitter to hit a 98 freaking mile an hour sinker, Dibs, to your point about the, the hitters being unbelievable? Well, I, I, you know, in my heyday when I was throwing upper 90s, uh, Kevin Mitchell was one of the greatest hitters I ever faced. And then I got the, you know, the, the, um, fun to play with him for a couple of years because that guy could roll out of bed, go three for four with two home runs. He was that talented. I threw a 99-mile-an-hour fastball away thinking he was going to hit it to right field. Now, if he hits it, it's probably going to be a home run. He hits it dead center, 450 feet, and it's down and away. And, I mean, like like it was a wiffle ball. That's how talented these guys are. And And that was 30 years ago. So imagine the technology today, you know, we use Rapsodo. We actually got rid of another machine in there because it was too much like a video game. But, you know, you can tailor make pitches now for young pitchers and get them to understand rotating curveballs and throw them properly. I mean, I don't mind teaching a kid technique as long as he does it properly. I don't want them to ever get hurt. And uh, over the last 25 years, the one thing I, I've learned a lot about is how players and, and kids grow, their growth plates, things like that. And you don't want to hit, hurt young kids. So you want to teach them good techniques. That rap soda machine's amazing because it, it tells you, you know, the revolutions on the ball. It, it shows them the direction of the ball. It shows them the spin of the ball. And it's not just about velocity. It also, you can show them their mechanics. And I'm, I'm really big on visualization and, and getting in front of a mirror to, to, appreciate what you're doing and understand that. And I, and I think, you know, with basketball, you want to teach guys technique and things like that, but baseball is very important to be able to repeat that. So when you're not doing something right, you can make the adjustments yourself. And so the technology is amazing to where I don't think there's any guy in the major leagues right now that can't go back 10 minutes from now and watch video and understand exactly what he's doing right or wrong. You know, hey, Dibs, I had people tell me that Ichiro is the greatest athlete, but baseball gets hurt by having Ichiro be its face because as, you know, an American viewing public, it, it it's harder because he needs an interpreter. It, I look at it and I say, wait a second, then watch him play and you're going to see something completely different. Does what... A number of people have said to me about Ichiro being the face of baseball, hurting baseball. Does that hold any water for you? Well, Ichiro and now Shohei Otani, um, no, I'm sorry. not at I'm all. I'm sorry, Otani. No, you're o fine. Otani, my fine. fault. Otani, but no, Otani. But, but yeah. Both of them, you know, listen, a lot of them do speak English. A lot of Latino players speak English, but because they don't speak it as well as their original language and their, their natural language, they don't, they're not comfortable. And that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, Shohei's amazing. Uh, these Latin players are absolutely amazing. More than 30% uh, of the major leaguers right now are Latin American, and they're amazing. And so um, I, I think it, it would do us all, it would behoove a lot of us to learn Spanish and learn Japanese and learn some second languages. <laughs> right. um, but, I, I mean, listen, that guy is amazing. 
He's so disciplined. The way he works, he he you know he'll do quality over quantity. He'll he'll you know take 200 swings, and if that's what he wanted to do today, that's it. He he cuts it off at 200. If it's a thousand, he'll cut it off. They're they're so structured, and it, and it's something that as Americans, I think we can learn. And the same thing with the Latin American kids. Dan, can you imagine these kids grow up? They have a milk carton for a glove, a rolled up sock with tape, and and they're as amazing athletes as I've ever seen. And they have no technology and they don't have uh, great, you know, equipment and it doesn't stop them from accomplishing their dreams. So for me, baseball is about hope and dreams. If you could be Ichiro and by the way, his exit velocity on average coming off his bat was 88 miles an hour, not 108, not 98. It was 88. One of the greatest hitters I've ever seen in my lifetime. And I've seen guys from Wade Boggs to Rod Carew. Uh, all the video of Ted Williams and these guys, and Ichiro was as good a hitter as them. Then you've got Shohei Otani, who can pitch as well as anybody in the major leagues and hit as well as anybody in the major leagues. So as far as an ambassador to the next generation of kids that need to understand versatility in baseball, I don't care what language he speaks. He speaks baseball. And, you know, to me, that's plenty. I think the I think what people are saying, and I, I I just simply say, watch the guy. I mean, the guy's unbelievable. Yeah. But I think what people are saying, we're so used to the marketing of, you know, NBA really did the first thing with the shoe. Every guy got a shoe, and the marketing of individual players. I think that's kind of what people are saying. You know, in baseball, uh, I know. Ba- would you agree with this? Baseball's made a big move to market individuals a little bit more. Uh, certainly, they've been they, they've done it to market the fun of baseball more, I guess, right. as opposed to the old rules, the old guard, right? Yeah, no, they're still light years behind the NBA, the NFL. Uh, yeah. You know, all of their stars. Um, when the commissioner, you know, compares the World Series trophy to a hunk of metal, or says Mike Trout should market himself, that you know that they don't know what they're doing. So, yes, they are getting better. Uh, having um, Maniscalco, the comedian, having him do commercials and stuff like that is is bridging a gap. But um, they're way behind the other sports. You know, hockey has made such inroads on baseball over the last 10 years. Um, you know, we used to think Gary Bettman's not a good commissioner. He's a great commissioner. Um, the Players Association, by the way, in hockey 15 years ago, you know who they hired? Our former head of, of uh, our union, Don Fear. That now you know why uh, hockey is so strong right now as a sport in this country. So you know when, when you're when you're talking about you know marketing these players, the video game is amazing. These kids know statistics; they know everything about these guys through the video games. And we're very slow to get there. I mean, listen, I play Call of Duty every day. I play MLB The Show every night, and uh, you know I'm I'm learning just as much at 59 years old, Dan, as any nine year old. So the commissioner needs to start watching more baseball, going to more games, um, and and loving the sport. And once he gets there, then I think he'll be able to market these guys individually. Aaron Judge, who hit 62 home runs last year, should be the face of baseball. He's in the biggest media market, yet they don't don't market this guy enough. Why? Because he's quiet. He's like a quiet, nice, gentle, giant guy. No, it's because they don't understand, and they're right down the street from the New York Yankees in New York City. So, you know, get on board. These are, are great role models. The the Andrew McCutcheons that are still in the game. Uh, the Rafael Devers is an amazing player. Mookie Betts is amazing. Uh, Xander Bogarts was amazing. I can't believe the Red Sox let that kid go. 
Um, you know, so many great role models for our kids, and we don't market them. We, we just don't. We'll be like, oh, Yankees are playing the Red Sox. Uh, Dodgers are playing the Giants. Cardinals are playing the Cubs. I mean, we don't we don't market the individual players. Like Arenado and, and Goldschmidt on the Cardinals are generational players. And I'd say 90% of the country have no idea who they are or who they play for. Well, I agree with that. I, I, Aaron Judge should have his own shoe, his own – you know, it, it yep. should be – the perfect timing in the perfect place, right? It, it, you know that that's should be, should judge judge should be an international superstar. If yes. if he, let me put it this way, if Aaron Judge did in baseball basketball what he did in baseball, however you want to quantify that, he would be an international superstar. Period. Period. Absolutely, absolutely. If, if you put Shohei and Judge together, and you marketed them around, yeah. they'd be like rock stars. You know, it'd be like Led Zeppelin yeah. and the Rolling Stones touring together. And and that's what you need to do. You know, then you get in the center of the country and, and you bring in some of those superstar players. But, you know, basketball does a great job of this. Uh, football does a better job of this. And then Major League Baseball will, will look at those things because when I was a player rep, they used to do this. Oh, you know what? The NFL does that or the NBA does that. Why don't we try it? Why don't you, you know, get out in front of this stuff and market these players correctly and, and, you know, you would be dominating the sports world. During COVID, they could have played a 100-game schedule. Oh, you know what? We only need 60 for our TV contract. Uh, it, you know, so they do the bare minimum, and then they, then they want the fans to come back in droves. That, to, to me, that's a joke. It's, the game's about the fans. It's about the next generation of kids. Every weekday game that, that every ballpark isn't filled up with free tickets to kids in school is a joke. You know, in Cincinnati, in Pittsburgh, in Minnesota, and, you know, anywhere you have a place where it's a Thursday afternoon game, it should be filled with kids getting free tickets in the inner city. Because you want to grow the game, you got to grow it with, like, the 10-year-olds right now. Dibs, I appreciate it, man. I knew you would knock it out of the park. Uh, and you did. <laughs> no pun intended. Hey, 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 go UConn. We've got the I, I same, don't, don't, same, amount, same amount of national titles as Indiana now, Dan. I know. You know what's sickening about that? Like, <laughs> Indiana, we, 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 we went through a 1,000 coaches, including me, for 10 minutes. It's like, how about we get somebody in there? We win a title. UConn, I always said this, Jim Calhoun made it look easy. Bob Knight makes everything difficult. Dean Smith and Roy Williams make it look easy. Indiana, we we haven't won since 80 freaking seven. 87 and UConn, that little freaking stores Connecticut that nobody really wants to go to. Well, Five. it's farmland. Let me let me finish with saying uh shout out to Bobby Knight and I and I hope he's he's doing better. Um love the guy, love yeah, Bobby Knight, and, and I hope uh that guy stays with us for a long time. Yeah, I wish he were still coaching at 82. Screw it. Wheel him out there. Let's go. I mean, God dang. Son of a <laughs> bitch. I mean, uh, anyway, I'm swearing now. I don't want to swear. Dibs, I don't know if you heard me, but the whole the whole Reds thing, not being in the Hall of Fame, is how I introduced you when you were hooking up, and it just drives me nuts. You cannot, you cannot tell the Cincinnati Reds story without telling the story of the nasty boys, Myers and Charlton and Dibble. I Bronson Arroyo, yay, Ron, go fight, win. But you cannot tell the story of the Reds unless you tell it about the nasty boys. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Thanks, Dibs. See you, Dan.
<laughs> See you, brother. It's true. How the hell can you have the Cincinnati Reds, world champs with Dibs and Myers and Charlton, and you don't put them in the Hall of Fame? They should be in the baseball of frickin' fame. Ah! I got a lot to get to today. I got a lot to get to. I got a lot to talk to you people about here today. I got the damn awards coming up. Yeah, I do. I got the damn awards coming up. I got to check on my bets. I got to see how Harrison English is doing. Scott Stallings is leading the tournament at minus one. Patrick Reed is up there. Oost Hazen is up there because he hits the ball great. Nah, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, welcome back. Always fun to hang out with Rob Dibble. What a great bunch of guests. Eric Schmidt, this congressman, the senator from Missouri, former uh, district attorney of the state of Missouri, joined us earlier. Well, just great stuff today. I'm all fired up. And one of the reasons I'm fired up is because it is Masters Thursday, and I don't really root for rain outside, but I'm kind of rooting for rain, so I don't feel guilty about sitting on my fat dupayash uh, and watching. But anyway, we've got the damn awards because, well, it is Thursday. Listen to this. There are less painful ways to get a nice bottle of whiskey. Josh Smith of the Texas Rangers received a bottle of whiskey, and you know I have a story about this because I have a story about everything, but he received a bottle of whiskey after taking a ball to the face. Here's my story. I'm playing in a big-time, slow-pitch national tournament where a bunch of dudes are paid in it. I was not paid in it, but I was damn good because that's how I roll. I'm playing third base. First game, this huge tournament. It's called the BIT. Teams from all over the country come to Bloomington, Indiana. I'm playing third base. Screamer comes to me, hits a rock, smashes. See all these teeth? They're all fake. Why? Because the ball hit me in the mouth. Next thing you know, I I woke up. My back was turned. Teeth are gone. And I'm bleeding like a stuck pig. They take me, ladies and gentlemen, they take me to the emergency room where the doctor fixes me up and he goes, hey, Dan, you drink whiskey? And I go, well, not as a rule. He goes, well, get yourself a little whiskey and swish it around and it'll numb it a little bit. My lip was out to here. I'm, I got stitches. I got no teeth. It's hurting like hell, but he did what it was supposed to do. And that was what? Dead in the pain. So there you go, Josh Smith. I'm glad to see the pain got deaded. You got a bottle of whiskey. And as always, I give you a mediocre story. And then I came back and played in the tournament because I'm that kind of tough. But I had a hockey mask on. I did. I had to wear a hockey mask playing third. Because ever since then, I'm not going to lie, I've been scared of the ball. Um, I like this. Hang on a second. Townsend's football coach. Towson State, his football coach, has banned cursing during practice. 
Is that a good move or is that a hard-o move? I'm not going to lie to you. That's a good move. Again, I have a story. Coach Knight, a noted swear. When I was coming up playing basketball in high school, I wonder how many of you I would drop the big ones. Mother! I, and to the point where the priests at my high school called me in. Now, I knew that we were so good in high school. We were making the school a lot of money. Enrollment was going up. I knew all this, even as a junior in high school. And I knew they had no power over me, frankly. I mean, I hate to say it that way, other than spiritual power. But they called me in uh, about being disgusted about my swearing. And I tried to stop, but I was kind of an anomaly. I would swear, but when I went to the free throw line, I crossed myself. It was very odd. They were upset about that, too. I didn't care. It was superstition. But anyway, fast forward to college. Coach Knight one day told me that if I swore again on the court that I was going to have to run every step in Assembly Hall. I swore I had to run every step in Assembly Hall yelling as loud as I could swear words. So I would under my breath go, Coach Knight is a... And I was dropping the big ones. I mean, I was dropping the swear words in the middle of swear words, the sentences... But I had to run every stair. And if you've ever been in Assembly Hall, you know there's a balcony. I had to take the elevator up to the balcony and run those too. Swearing has always been a part of my life. But I did get tired of it as a coach. So Townsend uh, coach, good for you. You get tired of it. You get tired of guys using swear words as kind of excuses. Now, I probably did that, although who knows. So that is not a hard-o move. That is a solid coaching move, and I'm down with it. You know I got a story for everything. I'll wear you out. Anyway, let's see. Bam Margera isn't happy about being fired from Jackass Forever, and he wants to step in the ring to to fight his, well, now former co-star Johnny Knoxville. Let's hear from Bam. Bam ain't happy, and when Bam ain't happy... Ain't nobody happy, baby. Bam needs to be happy, but he wants to throw some hands. Let's go. What do you got? Let's hear it. So this is not a brand new idea. Knoxville and Tremaine made me sign this f***ing, basically a death waiver to take 18 medications to make me a zombie. I couldn't get my dick hard. I couldn't f*** my own wife. I couldn't stiff muscles. Bald hair, fat, get weight gain. Fuck you, motherfuckers. Jeff Tremaine is too much of a pussy to get in the ring with me. But Knoxville, if I double dog dare him, he says if I double dog dare anything, he'll do it. So, Knoxville, I double dog dare you to get in the ring with me without any boxing gloves so I could ring, 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 one, two, three, let's go. I fuck you up. Let's go. Oh, if you're going to put then he really gets mad. Both have neck tattoos. And I have a standing rule. I don't fight anybody ever anymore. But if you have a neck tattoo or a face tattoo, I ain't interested in throwing hands with you. These two guys are crazy. If you've ever seen the Jackass series, they're completely nuts. You should not want to fight one another. Uh, Or actually, they should want to fight one another. Stepping into the ring is a big deal. Some little football guy at Indiana, Xander something. I forget his name. I think it was Xander. He was a quarterback. 
He got mad at me because I always made fun of the football program at Indiana, and he wanted to get in the octagon. He told me to set it up, and he would come out from L.A. Uh, Greg Doyle, uh, noted womanizer, philanthropist, or whatever they could, not philanthropist, philanderer, and, of course, adulterer with the Indianapolis Star. He wanted to fight me for charity. What is it about wanting to fight me? Fighting me isn't that interesting. I mean, I'll throw some hands back in the day, but right now, if I get punched in the stomach, I literally might cry. But everybody wants to fight. Stop wanting to fight. We see all these guys wanting to fight. No, don't fight. And don't fight any... Two rules of fighting. Never fight up at a sporting event. You see it all the time. Guy turns around to fight somebody that's in the bleachers on, above them, and they get their brains beat out. Fight down. Always fight down. We love you, but get sober. <laughs> don't fight up. And don't fight people with neck or face tattoos because those people don't care. They've given up on caring. Look, you walk into an interview with a face tattoo. I got a story. So the other day, my, uh, my wife and I are over at Old Oakland Golf Course. We play nine holes. We sit at the bar. We have a drink. Friends of ours come in, and they're having a drink. And we're just talking, guy and a gal. They're nice. And the lady says, hey, I got a new tattoo. Now, she's a professional. She goes, I go, yeah. My wife says, what'd you get? And she got it kind of on her, on her upper thigh hip area. And she said, look, it's professional. I can cover it up when I want and be professional. She's a guy. She's a lady with a great job. But I know I have it. See, that's somebody that still cares. If you go with the neck, upper neck, and you go with the face tattoo, you're done caring. I don't want to get in any kind of a spat with anybody that's done caring. You know, a friend of mine who used to cheat on his wife with other married women said he only cheated with married women. And I said, why? He goes, because they have as much to lose as me. I go, ah. He was a fairly notable person in the political world in Bloomington, Indiana. But that's what his theory was. You know, as a notable person... He felt like if he cheated with somebody that still cared or didn't have anything to lose or had, didn't have anything to lose, then that was bad for him. But he cheated with somebody that had as much to lose. Don't fight people that don't have anything to lose. It's just good business. I try to help you here, people. I do. All right, this is idiotic, and but idiotic is what we do when we talk about Canadian politicians. Christian Wong Tom, who uses the pseudo-pronouns they-them because she's two people, proposed legislation in Canada, listen to this, to criminalize offensive remarks within 100 meters of a drag queen story hour. So what they want to do in Canada is eliminate free speech and turn normal people that would look at a drag show in Drag Queen Story Hour in front of, I don't know, little kids and go, well, that's stupid. Well, that's asinine. Well, that's idiotic. Well, how dumb are you? What are we doing that for? You know what I'm saying? So... By doing that, you are a criminal, according to Lee Wong Tong. No, Kristen Wong Tam. I thought it was Lee. Kristen Wong Tam. All right, let's roll the video of this clown. Firstly, it enables the Attorney General to create a 2S LGBTQI plus 
community safety zone to prohibit within 100 meters of the property any homophobic, transphobic act of intimidation, threat, offensive threats, offensive remarks, protest, disturbance, and distribution of hate propaganda within the meaning of the uh, criminal code. It also comes with it a penalty of $25,000 if prosecuted successfully. There's a saying that I used to tell my children, and which is why, not why I'm divorced, but certainly added to it. What do you hear when you hear mommy talk? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, two LGBT plus QRXYZ ABCD. That's what we got to protect. How many more initials can you fit? Can we show that again? Can we play that again? And don't listen to the words because the words are that of somebody that's just ridiculous. But look on the front. How many letters, initials? Now we have numbers, huh? plus signs. This is like, this thing here is like a password that would be considered very strong. Look in the front of where this woman is talking about. How many more things can we put on here? Firstly, it enables the Attorney General to create a 2S LGBTQI plus community safety zone to prohibit within 100 meters of the property any homophobic, transphobic act of intimidation, threat, offensive threats, offensive remarks, protest, disturbance, and distribution of hate propaganda within the meaning of a criminal code. It also comes with it a penalty of $25,000 if prosecuted hey, look, successfully. putting guide rails, all right, appreciate that lady for saying that, but putting guides on stuff is not attacking. And walking by and saying drag shows should not be in front of children, that's not attacking, that's just common sense. You know, I listen, everything is about attacking, and what are they doing there? They're taking a moral high ground by saying, well, if you don't support us, you are attacking us. That's not true. That's not true at all. It's not even true a little bit. You know, legislation here in Indiana that the governor signed is basically saying, hey, look, man, you got to be 18 years old before you can transition. Seems reasonable. Maybe saves a lot of people a lot of heartache. Might cause a little bit of heartache. But when your ass got slapped by the doctor, he did not say your life will be filled of nothing but seashells and balloons and happiness. At least mine didn't. And I remember the day I was born. And I remember what he said. I don't remember what he said. And I don't remember being slapped. But I do remember the day I was born. Don't at me about it either, people. Because I do. But anyway, uh, so people want to say things like, well, this if you don't protect us. So now you're not even allowed, according to this lady, I think it's a lady. I'm not sure which one of the letters she fits into. I'm sure there's a bunch there. But according to this person, you're not even allowed to be critical of drag shows in front of kids. Yeah, let's not pass that, Canada. And don't even think about it, lawmakers here. Because I'll be in jail. Because I'm going to fight against drag shows in front of children for as long as I have a show. Which, by the way, we announced earlier... Uh, three-year extension starting on April 1st. So there you go. We shall see what we shall see. But the world is insane. The world is absolutely insane, and that's why we are here. All right. Other than these clowns, who we woke and open today, big boy?
Yeah. What's the one on the left, Dylan? I'm having a hard time seeing it. What's the hate crime? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the tire marks on a pride flag is a hate crime. And a transgender person massacring, massacring six people is not. In what world? Just let that soak in. Maybe the one on the left is a hate crime. But certainly the one on the right is a hate crime. You know, in Indianapolis a few years ago, a couple African-American kids walked up on a couple and killed them. And nobody said it was a hate crime. I'm like, it's got to be a hate crime. Why'd they do it? They didn't rob them. But of course, everybody got mad at me because I said it on my radio show, which, you know what? So what? Get mad. Of course it's a hate crime. Hey, both of these. But nobody wants to refer to the one on the right, the transgender whatever, shooting up, massacring children, the transgender, sick, twisted uh, jackass killing three kids and three adults. That's not a hate crime, according to the idiots that have, I guess, power over us to tell us what we're supposed to do. I'm bitter. I'm not mad at this show. I'm mad on this show today. I am. It's going to be a great day. Uh, Tiger Woods is playing with Shoffley and, and Victor Hovland. It's going to be a great day. All right, what's the next one? Why so angry today, Dan? I don't know. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing your genitals. <laughs> this is not a real ad, Dylan. If you tell me this is a real ad, then I'll be shocked. In my ear. Is that a real ad, or did you guys find this somewhere, put it together somewhere? J- just what? <laughs> what does it say? Just something? It. Just sniff it. <sighs> oh, man. I love the fact that people try to take the moral high ground with this Dylan Mulvaney. I've gotten a lot of criticism, from, uh, most of it from who you would expect, uh, fat white dudes and fight, fat white women from Iowa. They're mad at me for some reason because I respect women. I respect women enough to say, hey, wait a second here. Hold on a second here. We got to not have this person acting and being celebrated as a woman until she can show proof. If she can show proof or he can show proof of 12 menstruation periods during a calendar year, then I'll buy that he's a woman. I'll buy it. But until I see menstrual cycles and menstruation, I ain't buying none of it. Being a woman is not dressing up in play clothes, doing your eyebrows, growing out your hair, pulling it back, wearing a sports bra over your chest and saying, look at me, I'm a woman. But apparently to Joe Biden it is. Apparently to Jill Biden it is. Apparently to Nike it is. Apparently to Tampex it is, which is really ridiculous because they, more than anybody, made their money off real women. And now Tampex is actually celebrating this dude parading around like a circus animal, clown, acting like a woman. They're celebrating it. No, it's the damnedest thing. Tampex is actually doing it. Nike, we expect stupid. All right, I bet you didn't see this. There's a guy named Kylie Palm, a biological male, pretended to be pregnant and then said he had a stillbirth. He raised money to help with his grief. 
He attended birthing class with women, some of whom were kicked out of the class for saying he was a man pretending to be pregnant. Can you imagine? I'm sitting there. It's an absolute blessing to have a children, child. And you're going to birthing class. You're minding your own business. And all of a sudden, some dude comes in there acting like he's pregnant. And you're like, wait a second. This is a dude. It's a freaking guy. What are you talking about? And you get kicked out of the class because you're telling the truth that some dude named Kylie Palm is trying to act pregnant. Of course, had a still baby. What'd she crap out? A big log, dressed it up in uh, hair and put a little diaper on it and said, look, this is my baby. Stop it. Uh, AKA Kylie Gazelle, fake pregnancy. She claimed to be intersex, which was a lie. And then she claimed she has phantom pregnancies where his body thinks he's pregnant and goes through all the changes, except there's no fetus. My God. You know, I got to tell you, I I, got to tell you, the world we live in, don't be surprised if you read the Bible at all, if God doesn't come down and just blow the thing up and say, screw this. I read the Bible. He's coming. I mean, if you're ever going to come, now's about the time, I think. And I'm not being, you know, it's Holy Thursday. I, I am not being blasphemous here. I'm being legit. I mean, when we start questioning, seriously questioning and changing God's structure, we got problems. And I know they'll be made fun of by people. So what? I'm sure the, uh, the corn folk will be angry. <laughs> but my God, dudes are acting pregnant. And then when a lady says, hey, that dude's just faking being pregnant, guess what? She gets kicked out of the class. It's like the people that got banned for saying, hey, look, the, <laughs> the COVID virus uh, started in China in a lab. No, fake news. We're throwing you out. Well, guess what? The COVID virus started in China in a lab, and somehow that was racist to say. Somehow it was racist for Donald Trump to say, hey, look, we're banning travel from China. I got to tell you, man, that's why I love OutKick. I, I express my undying love every day to OutKick because OutKick lets you talk real. OutKick lets you talk sensible. Outkick lets you express opinion. Do you imagine if I said this on ESPN? You imagine? Outkick allows for real conversation about real issues. And Dylan Mulvaney acting like a woman is a fraud. And the companies that Dylan Mulvaney has been now paid by, Nike and Anheuser-Busch, Tampex, need to be boycotted. Look, hey, we got cancel culture. I'll participate in it. I've boycotted before. On 9-12-2001, local marathon station in Bowling Green, Ohio, that I had just read an article about how the owners wanted to make this, this gas station, the local place owned by local business. Well, you know what they did? They raised their gas prices to two bucks a gallon. It was like a buck 20 the day before. They were trying to gouge us in Bowling Green. So Urban Meyer's daughters, Nikki Meyer, Gigi Meyer, my son Andrew, my daughter Laura, uh, and a couple of my friends, we put the boycott on that marathon station. 
Did it hurt them? Not at all. Did it hurt me? Yes, because the marathon station was by my house and I kept having to go way the hell into town to go get to another gas station. But I don't care. I'm a man of principle. See, me versus West Virginia. And I'll always be a man of principle. And as a man of principle, I cannot buy or wear Nike. I got a Nike thing right there. I ain't wearing it ever again on the show. In fact, I'm wearing this Harvard deal because Harvard softball has a big turn or big game this, this weekend, won a doubleheader on Tuesday, and it's made by champion. That's right. You will not see Nike. You will not see Bud Light. I love, I've said this before, I love Mango Cart. Mango Cart is a fantastic tasting, refreshing beer. It's only 4% alcohol, so you're not going to get hammered. You're not going to be an idiot. It was going to be my summer beer. It is made by Anheuser-Busch. I'm out. I'm out. You do you. I am out. And it has nothing to do with not wanting somebody to live their best life. It has to do with mocking women. I have too much respect for women to allow these companies to out-and-out mock women and think that I am going to support them. I still have right now on Twitter uh, corn people arguing. All of a sudden, a person who is different and trans gets a sponsor opportunity, and Dan's pissed. Who cares? I'm not pissed about her opportunity. It's our, his opportunity. I'm pissed because you're making fun of women. But corn folk don't understand that because corn folk are really, 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 really dumb. Uh, Dan, I agree that Bud Light sucks, but it's not because of anything on the outside of the can. Good for you. That is a guy, Don Holm, publisher of the uh, the Ankney Register and Family Free Press. Good for you. Again, corn people. Don't care. I don't like women being made fun of. I'm a big fan of women. You can be, you can't be. I am, and this guy is just parading around as a woman. Put anybody you want on there. Put Laura Ingram on there. Put Gail King on there. I don't care. Put a real woman on there. Just because I would have either an agreement politically or a disagreement politically, that wouldn't matter to me. Just don't make fun of women. It really bothers me. Most things don't bother me. I'm pretty happy-go-lucky. But that bothers me. It does. I don't know. Maybe it shouldn't. But I love women. I have strong women in my life. My ex-wife, strong woman. My mother, strong woman. My daughter, strong woman. My wife, very strong woman. My, my stepdaughter, very strong woman. My sister, incredibly strong woman. My niece, Emily, incredibly strong woman. My niece, Allie, incredibly strong woman. Tori, unbelievably strong woman. I got strong women in my life. I want to support them. Not a dude dressing up in makeup, pulling his hair back, parading around like a freaking clown. Give me 12 menstrual strike cycles in a year, Dylan Mulvaney. And this will be the last time I mention uh, his name. It will be. It'll be the last time. It'll be DM from now on. All right. Great day. I'm going to watch golf. I bet on Victor Hovland. He's two under through two or three. I can't remember. It's, it's on right here. Uh, have a great, 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 fantastic, wonderful afternoon, everybody. Enjoy. And we will be back tomorrow. We got a monster tomorrow. Uh, Mark Harris is our OutKick golf analyst. He's going to join us, talk about round one. Urban Meyer is going to join us. We're going to talk about the quarterbacks in the draft, including C.J. Stroud, who, by the way, is coached by Urban's son-in-law, Nikki Meyer's husband, coaches C.J. Stroud. We're going to get into the draft tomorrow with Urban. Uh, have a great afternoon, everybody. As always, Dylan, great work. Ryan, fantastic. Uh, Aaron, thank you so much. Haley, and Kayla and everybody involved in our show, Davey and Gary, thank you for having us. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks to all of you on the YouTube chat. Have a great afternoon, everybody.